Do you remember your first day of school? Uh, you know, primary school, high school, you know, whatever you did after. Or maybe even your first day at work. Um, everything felt new. You know, it's a little bit scary. You've got that sort of like, uh, you know, do they, do they know me? Uh, do they like me? Am I going to like them? Right? And, and, you know, as a child, and, and I've, one of my kids, um, he's starting kindy this year, right? And as a child, one of the greatest desires when they first start school is what? To have friends. Right? And you know what's funny, right? Like, you know, like they, they want to have friends and they want someone to have lunch with. They want to have someone to talk to, you know, because you don't want to be alone. What's interesting is even as a five-year-old, right, that desire, um, it doesn't change, right? When you are older, when you go to work, right, or when you're an adult, isn't that the same when you go to a new workplace? You want to make friends. You don't want to eat lunch by yourself, right? Why is that? Because one of our human deep desires is to belong. It's to belong. And that's what we've been talking about starting last week, this idea. What does it mean to belong? And let me, so let me define belonging. The belonging definition, the innate human desire to be a part of something larger than us. We all desire to belong. Uh, 1995, a Florida State University study published an article demonstrating the healthiest, most satisfied individuals in life are those who have a place to belong, right? And when we say a place to belong, it doesn't just mean a physical home. It doesn't just mean a society. It also means, you know, whether you belong to a football team, you know, whether you belong to a, you know, a chess club, whether you belong to a Dungeons and Dragons society. Now I'm just making things up, right? Whether you belong to the Lamborghini Appreciation Club, right? The healthiest individuals in life and the most satisfied individuals in life are those that have a place to belong. But the opposite is true too. The most dysfunctional and unsatisfied people in life struggle to have belonging. Home, right? Home, the very simple concept of home, right? Not just the house you grew up in, but the home is meant to be a place where you assume belonging. But what about at the moment? The state of our families in our world now, home is not an assumed place of belonging. But for many of us, we didn't find belonging even at home. Actually, we found alienation at home. We found isolation at home. We found neglect at home. We're growing in a society full of dysfunctional families and broken marriages that have taken away this assumption that home is a place of belonging. And so why are we surprised when we look at this generation and see that it is so dysfunctional, so unsatisfied, can't hold a job for six months, so much brokenness. 
We see a whole generation who grew up with the assumption of belonging at home. So what are they doing? They're seeking belonging in other places. They're seeking belonging. Why? Because we all still have a deep, deep desire for belonging, whether we had it when we were growing up or not. And can I tell you, there is a big difference between belonging and fitting in. Let me read this quote. Because of the great need to belong, we often try to acquire it by fitting in and by seeking approval, which are not only hollow substitutes for belonging, but often barriers to it. You would have seen this before. People that go above and beyond to try to belong. And instead of trying to belong, they try to fit in. Right? The stories that I could tell you. Right? My first cigarette. Right? The only reason why I tried that was what? Because everyone else was smoking. And it was just, I wanted to fit in. Right? So that's why you do it. You know? That's why you go for certain basketball teams. Like the LA Lakers. (laughs) Right? It's not because you really like the Lakers, because no one likes the Lakers, right? I'm just kidding. <laughs> Your wife is right there. She'll give you a hug, right? Can I tell you, there is, like, you know, you can, so many funny stories around why and the length that people will go to fit in, right? And I was thinking of one of the greatest, right? One of the greatest movies that this is depicted in is a movie called Never Been Kissed. And you've never heard of this movie because half of you are younger than when this first came out. But I thought, you know what? I'm the pastor. I can do whatever I want. So we're going to watch the, the trailer to this movie. Just a warning. Just a warning. This was made in 1999. Okay? So the graphics are not great. But think. Just watch this. Watch this. in high school. Josie Geller, you enroll Friday. You are looking at the newest undercover reporter for the Chicago Sun-Times. <laughs> You're kidding, right? Josie, do you remember high school? Josie, 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 Josie! So, you were a geek. Big deal. You get to be 17 again. <laughs> okay, feeling good. Welcome to Shakespeare's As You Like It. Are you sure you're 17? I'm 17. <laughs> of course. She's never been hip. Oh. This is where the stories are. She's never been cool. You'll become friends with these people. Houston, Kristen, Gibby. What's up, girlfriends? Are you in special ed? And she's never been sexy. You will party with them. Ugh. You'll rave with them. You're gonna get jiggy with them. Until now. All you need is one person to think you're cool and you're in. You can't just come in here, be popular in one day. Do you guys know that girl, Josie Geller? She used to date the drummer from the Big Bad Voodoo Daddies. Shut up. It's true. So let's hear it. I'm not Josie Grossy anymore.
20th Century Fox presents... The guy is totally crunching on you. Drew Barrymore. Do I want to be crunched? Oh, yeah. In a story about getting a second chance... I've waited my whole life to fit in, and I finally feel like I do. ...to make a first impression. You've been hiding something from everyone. No, I haven't. You totally ripped off my Malibu Barbie idea. Uh-uh, I'm Disco Barbie. Kissed guys, I just haven't felt that thing. When you're my age, guys will be lined up around the block for you. You have to say that because you're my teacher. Actually, I shouldn't say that because I'm your teacher. Never been kissed. I think I'm totally in. I was so cool. The lengths that people will go to fit in, right? Now, some of you are like, I, I was like, I was listening to it again, it's like 20th century, because we're not even in the 20th century anymore. <laughs> Let me share a table with you that, that I found really interesting. Um, fitting in and belonging are two different things, right? And they're around these two words, right? Known and love. So let's start bottom my right, your left. Not known, not loved means you're ignored and rejected. Known, but not loved, you're rejected. Fitting in is not known, but loved. You can be a part of us because you're similar to us. But belonging is known and loved. All right? I'm just going to put that in context. And can I tell you that God does not want you to fit in. But God desires for you to belong. And we're going to see what the difference is of those. Today we're going to jump to Luke chapter 19, verse 1 to 10, where we're going to meet an outcast named Zacchaeus. It's a pretty famous passage, so even if you're quite new, it will be quite familiar. I'm going to read from the NIV. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through a man there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree to see him. Since Jesus was coming that way, when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anyone, anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. So we see that uh, a man named Zacchaeus, and we see that he's a Jewish man, and that he's not just a tax collector, but he's the chief tax collector. Now, in context, tax collectors, uh, were, we think that, you know, well, some of us don't really like the tax office, but, you know, some of us think that, you know, accounting and tax is a noble job, and that's cool. But back in the day, tax collectors were considered the scum of the world, especially by the Jewish people. Why? Because their job was to collect tax from their own people. So the Jewish tax collector would take tax from their Jewish people and take it to who? The ruling governing body, which was the Romans. So, in, uh, so, so they, they were pretty much running the finances on behalf of the Romans. And that's why these Jewish tax collectors were considered traitors. 
because they were betraying their own people. But not only were they betraying their own people, they were greedy too. So for example, instead of collecting the $5 of tax that would be paid back to the Roman government, these tax collectors would collect $10. And they would use the Roman army to enforce that, and they would give Rome $5, and then they would pocket $5 for themselves. Now Zacchaeus was not only a tax collector, but he was the chief tax collector, which meant he was at the top of the food chain. So he wasn't just rich, he was filthy rich. Now, this wealthy trader had heard about Jesus and that Jesus was going to come through his town. But the problem with Zacchaeus was he was interested, but he was short. Right? God is fair. Right? Can't be rich and good looking at the same time. Right? And so he's a smart guy. So he goes, okay, I know the path of Jesus. He's going to walk through this path because there's only one path. So I'm going to run ahead and I'm going to do something that's ridiculous. I'm going to climb the tree. I'm so curious to see who Jesus is. Everyone's been talking about who Jesus is. I want to see who this Jesus is, right? So this grown man, right, in a robe, runs ahead, climbs this tree, sitting on this tree, right? And he would have thought, you know what? Who's going to look up in a tree, right? And so this massive crowd starts coming, and in in Zacchaeus' mind, he's like, I got this. I got this. I'm so smart. And he's sitting up there in the tree, and he sees Jesus from afar. He sees the crowd. The crowd gets closer and closer, closer and closer, and he's right underneath and Zacchaeus is like, I'm so smart. And he's like, wow, who's this Jesus guy, right? And Jesus does this crazy thing. He stops, right? He, you know, I don't know about you, but sometimes like, you know, when you're driving and the police car stops right next to you, you've done nothing wrong and suddenly you feel guilty. It's like, why are they stopping right there, right? And Zacchaeus would have had that moment, right? Why would Jesus walk all the way down this path and stop right underneath my tree, And then Jesus does something crazy. He looks up. And what do you think everyone else did, right? We're talking about hundreds, a thousand people, right, that are walking with Jesus. Jesus stops and everyone's like, why did he stop? And Jesus looks up. What do you think a thousand people did? They all look up. (laughs) Wait a minute. (laughs) And Jesus does this crazy thing. He says, Zacchaeus, come down. You idiot. He didn't say that part. He says, come down. Come down. I want to go to your house. All right, I want to go to your house and let's have some lunch. And this is crazy. In the context of the story, you've got to understand this is crazy, right? Remember, Zacchaeus is a scum of the world. Jesus is a noble Jewish teacher, a rabbi. These two do not mix. And we see this in verse 7. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a Sinner. Because the crowd is like, Jesus, what are you doing? Why are you going to Zacchaeus' house? Why, why would you go there? And then we see a miracle happen over this meal. Verse 8. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anyone out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Now, what was in that food? What, was in, what happened during that meal? We don't know. But we do know that there was interaction between Zacchaeus in his house with Jesus, the Son of God. 
And the outcome of that was the, the greedy tax collector has one meal with Jesus and his life is completely transformed. Verse 9 and 10, Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Salvation came to the house of Zacchaeus. Now think about this. One meal. Right? What did Zacchaeus do? Did he do a Bible study? Did he go to church? Did he go through all the programs? No. One meal. One meal changed a man's eternity. How does this work? How does this work? Back in time, the progression of faith was called uh, was known as this. This is how you became a Christian. You behave, so you have to change your ways. It's like, if that's how Christians behave, I need to become more like that. And then, once my behavior becomes a certain point, then I can believe. Then I can sign on. I'm good enough. I'll sign on. And then once you believe, then you can belong. And that's how it used to be. But now we realize what, what that actually is, is. That's not faith. That's just behavior modification. That's just trying to be a better person. And it's definitely not what Jesus offered to us. Too many times we think about God and being a Christian. And we think straight away, how do I live my life? What is my behavior like? Because... It's only when we behave that it shows what we believe and through what we believe we can find belonging. But actually in this passage alone, Jesus flips that up completely. For Zacchaeus, he found belonging when Jesus came to him. Throughout that conversation, even though it was only one meal, Zacchaeus had a moment of belief. And then he gets up. And then his behavior changes. Belonging, and then believing, and then behavior. Not the other way around. One of the big things that we need to understand about Jesus is this. Jesus does not call us into faith to fit in. Jesus doesn't want you to come and fit in. That's not what Jesus is offering. Right, think about his encounter with Zacchaeus. And if Jesus really was about fitting in, what would Zacchaeus have done? Right? He would have. One of the things that you need to understand is when you wrong someone in that time, if you cheated someone, according to the Old Testament, you would have to pay back double. Right? You would have to pay back double what you cheated that person. According to Old Testament law, that's what the standard was. But Zacchaeus says he's going to pay back four times. If it really was about fitting in, then he would have gone back to the Old Testament and gone, okay, well, if I'm going to be a Pharisee, I'm going to need to do this and I need to do this. Okay, I'm going to pay back two times. You know, and then you know, Jesus would be like, oh, Zacchaeus, you can't pay back four times. You can only pay back two times because in the Old Testament, it's like, right? But Jesus is not about fitting in. Jesus is about belonging. Jesus is about meeting each and every person where they're at, whether they're deep in their sin, whether they're far away from God, whether it's up in a tree. 
Jesus is about meeting each individual, including you, where you are. And we can find true belonging in Jesus, meaning we are fully known and fully loved by him. This is completely different to what the world has to offer. The world is all about fitting in, right? When you fit in, when your behavior is at a certain level, then you can hang out with us, right? As much as we think that this is really complicated, this is schoolyard politics, right? School's about to start. I cannot believe, I can't, number one, I cannot believe how expensive Nike backpacks are. Nike, I know someone is watching on the live stream that works at Nike. Think about what you're doing. That's why Tiger Woods broke up with you last week, okay? I'm just kidding. And Tiger, if you're watching, I'm, I'm always ready for a hit, okay, buddy? The world says you need to fit in. And to fit in, you need to be like the person next to you. And can I tell you, Jesus is the complete opposite. He says you don't need to fit in. Imagine you came to church and if it was about fitting in, then you would have to wear jeans and this kind of shirt, right? And you would have to start, well, some of you would have to start looking after yourself better to look like this, jerks. It's a low bar here, okay, guys? Imagine that. You can only come and you can only fit in our church if you've done four Bible studies. If you come to church on time, man, if you came to church on time was to fit in, half of you, the half that sit at the back, okay, I'm just saying, right? But Jesus is not like that. And praise be to God, Jesus is not like that. Do you know why? Because he knows you for who you are and he meets you where you are. Jesus knows you. And actually, if you really think about it, it's a pretty scary thought that Jesus knows us because if we're honest, there are parts of our lives that we are scared of, embarrassed of, shameful about. There are things that are in our lives that we would rather not talk about as well. And yet, Jesus not only knows about all of that, all of that mess in your life, all of the gunk in your past, not only does Jesus know about that, but he still loves you. It's ridiculous. I stand here not because I am perfect in any way, shape, or form. I am as messed up as any person off the street. Jesus knows that better than anyone else, and yet Jesus loves me. It's ridiculous. I, I find it hard to love myself. Oh, you're an idiot. And I say it in the mirror, and it says it straight back to me. Right? You're an idiot. You know, right? It's ridiculous. And yet Jesus... He goes beyond. He not only knows you, but he loves you. This is what real belonging is. This is what Jesus has to offer. This is what the church is about, not fitting in. And let me just say one thing right here, right? If you have ever felt pressure in any way, shape, or size at our, in our community to fit in and you felt like oh I need to change something or I need to do something or I need to be something. can I just tell you please don't because 
Who you are right now is who Jesus died for. That's who Jesus knows and loves. That's who needs to be in this community. For some people I know, I'm too sinful. For some people I know, my faith is, I don't know what I believe. And you know what? Jesus does not condemn that. He welcomes that right into his house. He says, hey, right here, you belong. That's what real belonging is. But can I tell you, it doesn't just stop here. If we are the church... And Jesus Christ is the head of the church and we're the body of the church. It means this. It means that in the same way we find belonging in Jesus, that Jesus accepts us for who we are, then the church needs to operate like that too. It's one thing to belong to Jesus and it's another level to find belonging with each other. Uh, Yesterday I got to celebrate Uh, 17 years of marriage. Thank you to me. Thank you. We both, my wife and I both woke up and we congratulated ourselves. (laughs) We both patted ourselves on the back. There's a phrase in the Bible that's used for marriage and and, and is really the basis of all marriage. And it's Genesis 2.25. Adam and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. This is the fundamental of marriage. That you can be completely who you are, naked to the core, and not embarrassed in front of your spouse. That the spouse can accept you even in all the ugliness of your life. Can I tell you, if you want to know what kind of church Jesus desires, it is that kind of church. A church where we are fully known and fully loved. A church where we can be completely naked, completely vulnerable, and still feel safe that we are loved and accepted. It's really not about fitting in. And I promise you, there's, there's not much in our church that we would be telling you to fit into anyway. It's about being a disciple of Jesus who fully knows us and still loves us, we are called to be able to do the same for others, to know each other and to love each other. We're revamping our small groups and we're going to be starting a a new program called Belong Groups. What's the point of Belong Groups? To belong. Wow. I did a five-year marketing degree to do that one, right? My Hexted just came up with that, right? The aim of these small groups that's going to start in February is very simple. To create a space, a space, a space, a a smaller space, a space, (laughs) a smaller space is called a space. I just made that up. I'm a genius. To create a smaller space for people to be known and to be loved. Do you know why? Because we can't do it with the 80, 100 people in this room. I don't even know your name. How can I know you and how can I love you in this space? We can't. So our small groups, our belong groups are to find belonging in our smaller group setting. And through that, faith, belief, transformation will come because belonging is the starting point. 
Now, we sit on both sides of this equation. We ourselves need belonging. We need belonging. We need that because we, in, deep down inside of our hearts, that's our human innate desire. We need that in Jesus and we need that in the church. And if you tell me that you don't need this, yeah, well, you know, I've been a Christian for years. I don't, I don't, I don't really want, want to go to a belong group. I don't really feel like I need to belong. I, I feel secure in Jesus. And, and as long as I have a relationship with Jesus, I don't really need I'm telling you, you have not understood who Jesus is. You have not understood what Jesus is about because he's not about just saving you and being happy about that. He's about you loving him and others. Jesus desires for us to be in relationship with him, not be his robot slave. But then on the other side of the equation, it's important as well. As people who belong to Jesus, who are known and loved by him, it is our job to be able to extend that same love and acceptance to those around us. For a Christian to say that they belong to Jesus and yet have no desire to extend that same belonging to others, that is a selfish, self-centered Christian. And I promise you, Jesus will have none of that. Jesus will have none of that. How can we, how can we sit there, receive the, the unconditional love of God, knowing who we are, and not be able to extend that to someone else? I'm telling you, it is not acceptable. Learning about people around you, learning how to love them, this is the foundational and bare essentials of what it means to be a Christian because it is the foundation of the ministry of Jesus to be known and to love. You cannot be a Christian in isolation. You cannot be a Christian if you are not extending that same love and belonging that you have received from Jesus to others. Here's a quote. To belong to God is to belong to others. You cannot have one without the other. This is the church Jesus desires. This is the church Jesus would like to build in this space. Let's be honest, friends. We're all just a bunch of Zacchaeuses. I don't care what you do for work. I don't care what your past says. I don't care all the, the mess and the mind. I don't care how old you are. You're a sinner. You're a sinner by nature. You're a sinner by action. No one here can stand and declare themselves righteous or more righteous than another. And if you truly believe that that is the case, then you are full of pride and you are lying to yourself. But I love the fact that Jesus doesn't tell Zacchaeus to fit in. He doesn't stand underneath that tree and say, Zacchaeus, come down, stand around with everyone else and follow them, follow me like everyone else. He says, Zacchaeus, come down because I need to go to your house. I need to have a meal with you has a meal, have some conversations, changes a man's life, changes a man's eternity. One of the greatest compliments that, that we've received as a church over the years is this. Chapel, anyone is accepted there. And I'm not being boastful about this, but I remember someone telling me this as an encouragement, an outsider. They came into our church and they were like, Steve, 
you've got to keep these church doors open because for some of these people, it's the only church they'll ever go to. And I believe that. I absolutely love the fact that our church is so jacked up. <laughs> Starting with the senior pastor. Whew, low bar. I love the fact that we are a messed up community with messed up people. I love the fact that no one can stand here and go, oh man, like everyone, look at me. Look how good my life is. I love the fact that we can humbly all come knowing that the only reason why we're here is not because we're perfect, but because we're not perfect and we need God. I love the fact that you can walk in here and you can say hello to someone that you would never say hello to outside in the real world. Nothing like that person. Nothing common with that person except the fact that they're a sinner, I am a sinner, and we all need Jesus. I am not apologetic, and I will never be apologetic for the makeup of our church of having jacked up people, messed up people, sinful people in our church. If you, if you are like, oh, man, this church is too messed up, there's too, it's too complicated, there's too many things going on, I'm just like, maybe it's just not the church for you. There's about 15 churches in build. I can give you their names. I can give you their numbers. I will not, I will not change our church dynamic to, so that people can fit in. Fit into what? Fit into what? We all, you all want to start wearing robes? Right? The day we all start wearing robes, we're going to get on Channel 7, A Current Affair. That's what's going to happen. Right? Something, something leader, Stephen Char, extorting, you know, like, they, they, I know it. Don't do it. I don't want to be on TV. Right? Fit into what? Fit into holy people? Fit into the angels? Come on. Not at our church. You fit in here because you're jacked up like everyone else. But let me say it properly. You don't fit in here. You belong here. You belong here. Every single one of you, you belong here. It's never going to be about go fix yourself and then you can come to Jesus. The greatest gift that Jesus has to offer us is just to be able to accept us for who we are. That's the starting point of our faith journey. Now, it doesn't end there, right? It doesn't just go belonging, full stop. There's belonging, believing, and behaving. After 17 years of marriage, I promise you the behaving will come. I'm very good at throwing out the bins. Very, I bought my wife flowers. Thank you. Pat on the back for Steve, right? But friends, you've got to understand that the starting point of faith, the starting point of faith journey is not behavior. And it's actually not even believing, but it's understanding belonging to Jesus because Jesus loves you. Friends, Jesus knows you. And he loves you. And we as a church, that's what we want to represent. A church that truly desires to know each other and love each other. This is what it means to belong. Let's pray.